Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. second hour of mornings with Carmen on this 16th of November, although the notes that my um, faithful uh, producer sent me say that it's the 16th of December, but it's not. I just okay. sometimes get ahead of myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Paul, on the 16th of December, dude, we are going to be talking about joyful Christmas, Advent, wonderful, I don't know. Stuff wonderful- like that. Stuff like that. Okay. Today, uh, we're talking about what God's doing in the world today. We're bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news. Uh, We're going to be talking in just a moment with Professor Junius Johnson. You will remember him as the author of The Father of Lights, A Theology of Beauty. Um, I told you we were going to circle back around with him. Today is is that day, and I want to talk about the intersection of beauty and gratitude, like how this grateful heart and a spirit of thanksgiving is actually produced by our not only seeing uh, but experiencing the beauty of of who of who God is and participating in His glory. Um, let me lead off with this. Uh, what are the conversations that you remember forever? Like, think back. Do you remember the last conversation you had with a particular individual? Um, maybe you remember a conversation that happened in the midst of a shared dramatic or stressful experience. I mean, if you're trapped in an elevator with somebody, that might be a uh, uh, that might or a, a car that is submerging into the water. Those might be conversations that. You know, you really remember. What do you remember about specific conversations? And then let's flip that. What specific conversations do you think other people remember having with you? What conversations do other people remember having with you? I'll just confess to you, I don't remember the last time I heard my own dad's voice. Um, I didn't expect that when he, you know, left on a business trip when I was 15 that I'd never see him again. He'd never come back. But I do remember a number of conversations that I had with my dad um, at various points in time, you know, along the way, at particular moments, in, in the midst of particular shared experiences. Like I can, I can still hear him saying those things. I also don't remember all the conversations that other people have recounted to me about things that I have said to them that have been meaningful. Memory is a little bit strange that way. You may well remember something that I said that I've already forgotten having ever said. And likewise, I might remember conversations that we have had um, where you spoke something into my life that I have clung to, and you literally have never given it another passing thought. I think there are two kinds of sticky memories. There are those sticky memories where conversations are um, marked by moments of true truth, and there are also sticky memories where somehow the enemy of our souls, the liar, the father of lies, has made some part of a conversation sticky, and it's it's gnawing at us. It's not true. In fact, it's a lie, but it has become sticky in our memory. So I just want you to consider today 
the sticky conversations that Jesus had with people? What sticks with you that Jesus said? What comes to mind? The things that Jesus said to people, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. Um, Your faith has made you well. Come to me. Follow me. Um, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, at the cross when Jesus looks down at, at his precious mother and then he says to John, his disciple, you know, behold your mother. Um, and to his mother, behold your son. That's a sticky conversation that has a real material impact in the world. So which of Jesus's conversations stick with you today? And how might you speak those eternal truths into the lives of others that that, that might be what sticks with them, that God loves them, that God cares for them, that God sees them, that God wants to be in a relationship with them, that God has the, the world in the very hollow of his hand. What are the biblical truths that you could speak in conversations today that would be sticky in very positive, true truth ways in the lives of other people? All right, next up, Dr. Junius Johnson and I are going to talk about the intersection of beauty and gratitude. He is the author of The Father of Lights, and I've got copies to give away today. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Junius Johnson is a theologian. He is a dad. He is uh, a musician. Um, and he's a just wonderful, delightful conversation partner. So he's back today. Um, he's joined us before to talk about his book, The Father of Lights, A Theology of Beauty. And he's back today. Junius, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, uh, let's remind people about the book because I do have copies to give away today. Um, and so those of you who are listening know the drill. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, when, we, when we talk about the Father of Lights, who is the Father of Lights and why do I need a theology of beauty? <laughs> the Father of Lights is the way that, the, that God is referred to in the book of James in the beginning, and it's this image that captures him as the giver of all good gifts and the source of all good things that we find in the world. Um, and so light becomes a way of um, reflecting and imaging uh, the many just beautiful forms that God has put into creation. The theology of beauty is important, at least in the sense in which I am talking about it, because I go through my life having these constant, uh, my life is punctuated by experiences of beauty. I walk outside and I see how beauty the landscape, beautiful the landscape is, and I see beautiful people and I see beautiful things and I encounter beautiful truths of scripture. And those experiences are always very powerful experiences for me. They're very formative of my thinking. Um, I, my values, often the types of things that I'm willing to fight for, to die for, are driven by some experience in which I first found them beautiful. The theology part is my need to understand these things. As a follower of Christ, I need to understand what's God doing with me in those moments? How is God speaking to me in those moments? How is this beauty meant to be a signpost on my way to being made more Christ-like, being conformed into the image of Christ? So what I try to do with the theology of beauty is to connect up those experiences of beauty that we have with our commitments as Christians and with the to help us to get a vision for how God is working in our lives to draw us nearer to himself. 
Okay, so the uh, the Father of Lights is a theology of beauty that I would describe to listeners as very accessible. Okay, so this is not like a theology book that is scary. This is a, a theology book that is invitational and um, scrumptious. Like you want you want this. So trust me, you want this. If you are interested, text the word book to eight seven seven. Nine three three two four eight four to enter the drawing for the copies I have to give away today. Okay, so Junius, um, go into professorial mode here for a moment. Um, we're going to talk about a word, a word that appears in the book, and um, it's uh, uh, it's a I think a significant way for us to understand the effect of sin on so many things. And it's the word, and I might mispronounce it, so this is where the you know I need the professor um, profanation. Or mm. is it the way that something is becoming profane? Yeah, it's a it's a process by which things that are holy, uh, or even things that are just sort of neutral, um, get turned away from their original purpose. Everything that exists, God creates all things for Himself, right? Not for us, and not for themselves, but for Himself. The really, the really cool thing about that, of course, is that when we come to see truly what is what it is for anything to be for God, we also see that its being for God is its best being for itself. And so I think I often push back against allowing myself to be for God because I'm afraid that I'm going to lose myself in that in some way. But in actual point of fact, if I would do that, I would find myself truly for the first time. And I think C.S. Lewis really, in a lot of ways, talks about this type of dynamic very well. So what happens with profanation, I say profanation, I think profanation is fine too. What happens with profanation is that for myself, for instance, I tear myself away from being this image of God that is meant to point others back to God and draw others into that closer relationship with him. And instead, I make myself about myself. Or I tear that beautiful sunset away from being a declaration of the glory of God and make it about something about myself. And so there's this process that we as sinful humans do whereby we're constantly thieving from God, actually, right? We're taking the things that belong to God and that speak of his glory, and we try to make them belong to us, and we try to make them speak of our own glory. The story, the scripture story that immediately comes to mind when you're talking about this um, is the story of the prodigal son. Mm. I mean, I, 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 I see him as a person who was living in the fullness of a relationship with his father and all the goodness that that brought, and he literally robbed his dad of that to go and pursue a life that was as profane as we might describe as and 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 it was ugly um and then there is this eventual coming to his senses and i want to talk about that um with you we got to we got to take a very brief break i want to talk about ugliness and darkness and the progressive nature of of profanation um, and then I want to talk about beauty and gratitude as the as the flip side of those things. So I'm talking with Professor Junius Johnson. Um, we're talking about uh, his book, The Father of Lights, A Theology of Beauty. And we're also talking about Thanksgiving. You just might not think of it that way. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Professor Junius Johnson, um, here is the biblical reference from James 1.17. Every good giving and every perfect gift is from on high, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This is the uh, uh, seminal verse for the book, The Father of Lights. 
a theology of beauty. Um, let's talk about uh, that God who is so good, and he can't be in the presence of, you know, what we might consider ugliness or darkness because he is uh, goodness and beauty and light. Um, and so when I um, turn away from, when I move away from God and his good purpose, I move then away from that which is good and beautiful and true and light, and I move toward ugliness and darkness. Is that a fair way of understanding the the initial pivot, and then it's progressive? Yeah, that's right. It's I like to think of it like the solar system. You know, if you're if you're a comet and you whip around the sun, and now you're heading out away from the sun to the solar system, you're losing heat and you're losing light, right? And you wind up a frozen ball out in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm. But as you're heading into the sun, you're being bathed in light and you're gaining heat and that heat is lighting up what's within you and it's causing this glory to shine off of you. But of course, it's not your glory. It's the glory of the one that is heating you. So when we when we talk about beauty and, and we covered this in our first conversation, but, you know, not everybody who was who's listening now was listening then and. Not everybody remembers everything that you and I said. I mean, I just didn't, they didn't put it away as like, these are the, these are the eternal words spoken to me by Junius and Carmen. So let's remind them, let's remind them of the nature of beauty. Cause I think that we oftentimes um, think about, it's just whatever the object of the beauty is. And that's actually not what you're talking about in the book. Yeah, that's right. Uh and this is actually, I was thinking of this, I was reminded of this as you were talking about sticky memories in the intro, because it's, it's for me, there's, there's this moment when I was in high school and one of my friends said to me this thing about beauty, where she said, beauty is what reminds you of God. And that became the seed that took root in my thinking and over the next 25 years grew ultimately into this book project. So that's what I'm on about here. I'm thinking not about what makes a person or a place or a tree or anything like that beautiful, nor am I thinking specifically about what is beauty in the larger sense. Those are important questions and fun to think about. But I'm asking specifically the question of when I have an experience of finding something beautiful, which can be a mistaken experience, by the way, uh, what's going on there? And my contention is that what's happening is that in that moment, this knowledge of God that I have in my heart from two sources, one, I have it implanted in me at my creation, uh, Ecclesiastes 3, right? He's placed eternity in our hearts. And then two, I get it from creation. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. These things create in me uh, a knowledge of God. And in the moment when I find something beautiful, I'm having that knowledge activated. I'm being reminded of my God by this creature. And it and it catches us, right? Like the seeing the reflection of the sunrise or the sunset in a body of water, and you're seeing like this. It just your 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 breath catches sometimes, and yeah. I think that's what you're talking about. In those moments when I experience that, can I pause and or later can I reflect back and say mm-hmm. what what is it about God that I was witnessing in that moment? experiencing in that moment, sharing in that moment, because that's the glory conversation as well. Yeah, that's right. These things are so precious to us. And if it's true that what's happening is they're reminding us of God, it's a witness to our spirit from within our spirit that no matter what's going on with us, no matter how deeply mired we are in our habitual sins, or no matter how much we're turning away from God's grace, 
what we long for at the end of the day is that God who made us, that God for whom we are made. Hmm. I'm typing that up. I'm making that as my note. Um, I, I love the conversation that you're provoking, and I appreciate um, the way in which you are provoking us to have this conversation. It's very invitational. Um, it's, it, you, have, you have brought uh, the theology of beauty near in a way that um, allows us to not just consider what beauty is, but actually what it means in my moment-by-moment um, not only acknowledgement, but appreciation of the the experience of beauty in real life. And it can be very simple, and it, it can happen in any moment. It doesn't have to be, you know, something that other people even witness. It, You know, I, I've been on hikes in the mountains, and it's occurred to me that the little tiny little flowers that, you know, we happen to be seeing way off the beaten track um, are things that God plants for himself. Like, that's so cool. He's the only yeah. one that appreciates most flowers that ever bloom. Right. You know, I've been I've been really excited. It's it's such a fun time for us to live in in history uh, because we have a lot more technology in space, uh, and so we're picking up on a lot of things that we didn't before. Every few years, you know, you get news that this comet's coming by, and it's the first mm-hmm. time that it's ever come by the Earth. And the next time it will come by will be in 30,000 years or something like this. And, <laughs> I, you know, I personally don't expect Jesus to tarry that long. Uh, so in my mind, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, God created this comet for himself. It's been out there since the beginning of creation, perhaps, roaming around doing stuff. But he also, when he created it for himself, he decided that we would be the generation that would get to see it. Of all the humans that have ever lived, that will ever live, we're the only ones who are going to be able to look up and see this thing. And so as we become more aware of just what's going on in the nearest space around our little planet and our solar system, we keep stumbling across little gifts that the Lord has planted in creation for us, like a caring parent who uh, hides gifts all over the house on a child's birthday and says, hey, you know, follow follow the string or follow the clues and you'll discover these <laughs> gifts. I love that. Hey, let's take a minute, Junius, to make the connection for people, um, you know, to Thanksgiving, not just a day, but um, a reality in which we live. Is there a connection between beauty and gratitude? Absolutely. And I think one of the important things to think about this, I touched on this a little bit in the epilogue in the book, thinking more about joy, but I think gratitude is exactly the same type of thing. What these things are, I think, are gifted responses. Um, In our sinfulness, in our lack of sanctification, it's hard for us to respond to things the way that we should. One of the graces of the Holy Spirit is to come and give us, to inspire in us or just create in us the right response to the thing that we're experiencing if our hearts are in submission, if we are open to God working in those ways in us. And so gratitude to me, I think that's exactly the right response to to beauty, right? You see it and it should lead you to worship. And I think that gratitude can be thought of in many ways as the, the moment right before worship. It's the fundamental uh, set of the soul out of which worship springs. Okay, say that again. (laughs) Gratitude is the fundamental position, disposition of the soul out of which worship springs, right? If you think about, um, if you think about, well, any exciting event, but let's let's pick giving birth, right? There's the there's the moment before the child comes out, which is a very intense and generally very unpleasant moment for the mother. 
but it's a necessary condition for the birth of the child in the sinful dispensation. There's there's always some some bit, right? That dark place before the dawn, that quiet before the symphony starts playing, the tuning up is done, the audience is settled in, and they're about to start those notes. And those moments, those pregnant moments are always very powerful, I find, experientially. I think gratitude is that moment in our soul that is, it's, it's already the response to seeing the greatness or the goodness or the majesty of God. And it's also the moment before we then turn to give our chosen response of worship to God. Gratitude is that occupies that privileged place. Mm. All right, friends, if you want more of that, um, send me a text. Just text the word book to 877-933-2484. I do have some copies of Junius Johnson's The Father of Lights, A Theology of Beauty, to give away today. Um, If you want to enter the drawing for those, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Junius, I look forward to our next conversation, and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Same to you. Blessings. We'll be right back. Uh, One headline that I want to highlight before we get to our conversation with David Aikman and survey some international news. Uh, Today is the final day for those who experienced abuse at any point in time um, over the history of the Boy Scouts of America. Um, Today is the final day um, to make yourself known. 82,000 people, in fact, I don't want to miss anybody in this because 82,663, because every single one of those individuals is precious. Um, More than 82,000 people have come forward uh, and 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 said, I have had an experience of this um, in or as a part of uh, the Boy Scouts uh, of America. Um, Today's the final day. And so I just I want to say as tenderly and and directly as I can. If you experienced abuse, um, the accusers range in age from eight to ninety-three. So this is, um, and they're and they're men and women, overwhelmingly men, but some women. Um, today's the day, uh, and and if you want, if you want to be known and you want to be heard and you want the organization to be held accountable, then today's the day to come forward. Um, there is a victims' co- compensation fund and. Um, there is going to be a Boy Scouts reorganization under Chapter 11. Um, and not that this is about money, but it is about justice. And so just want to encourage you, if um, if that's you and you know it's you and you haven't come forward, let me encourage you to do that today. Um, it's not hard to go online and find out uh, find out how to make yourself known as a victim uh, of, of the Boy Scouts. Okay, um, next up, Dr. David Aikman and I are going to survey a number of international headlines, several of them related to, uh, to, related to China. Um, but Boris Johnson, uh, the Prime Minister of the UK, has also uh, gone back into isolation or quarantine, having been exposed to COVID-19 again. So lots of stuff going on. We'll be right back. This is Max Licato. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12 says... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. Of course, Jesus sat down. All that needed to be done had been done. Why don't you receive this, the great miracle of mercy? Let the grace of God flow over you like a cleansing cascade, flushing out all dregs of guilt and shame. Friend, nothing separates you from God. Your conscience may accuse you, but God accepts you. Others may dredge up your past, but God doesn't. As far as he is concerned, 
the work is once and for all time finished. Keep running the race. And as you run, be assured, a friend is waiting for you at the finish line. And when you cross it, he'll catch you in his arms. And don't be surprised if he says again what he said then. It is finished. Remember, friend, you are never alone. This is Max Locato. My name is Bond, James Bond. Joining me now, David Aikman, editor of Godspeed Magazine. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. Nice to be on the program again. Well, so uh, Boris Johnson, a lot going on um, right now. So he has experienced a major resignation in his uh, in his government. Brexit is uh, is looming. Covid is uh, real. And he is now in in isolation because of a, of a near covid exposure. Uh, so talk about any of that that you want to talk about and maybe just the stress on this guy. Well, he's been under stress since he actually was diagnosed with uh, COVID himself. He spent a few days in hospital, and according to his testimony, his life came very close to being extinguished, and he was saved by the diligent attention of two nurses in the British National Health Service. Now he's facing a real internal strike in his cabinet, and he's had two senior members of the government who have really been forced to resign. And to add to it all, his own girlfriend, or as he says, his fiance, the lady who's been living with him for several years, seems to be also involved in the dispute over who should run the government shows. So it's a very embarrassing and awkward situation for him. And I don't know whether it's going to be uh, relieved by any future developments. He'll have to choose a new chief staff who can really keep everything in line and have an orderly Um, Can we pivot, David, to a conversation uh, about Hong Kong? I feel like uh, you and I had had very, very frequent conversations um, about the the protests in Hong Kong. And then COVID swept in and it has fallen off the radar for many of us. But um, there are uh, there are some things there that we want to talk about. What's what's going on in Hong Kong? Well, in Hong Kong, um, the executive government based in Beijing refused to accept the credentials of four members of the Legislative Assembly, who, of course, are voted on by the ordinary people before they come into the Assembly. And as a result of that, all of the democratic anti-Beijing members of the opposition in the Legislative Council resigned in mass, protesting the use of the new national security law to suppress democracy in Hong Kong. I don't think it's going to have the slightest effect on communist China's approach to Hong Kong 
which is really to communize the whole location without regard to what other people think is going on. It's a very sad development. It's a very sad development, and I'm I'm mindful even in even in the way that these uh, that these politicians um, stage their protest with the unfurling of this banner um, containing this message: Carrie Lam is corrupting Hong Kong and hurting its people. She will stink for ten thousand years. Um, there yeah. is a there is a different way of approaching conversations in Asia than we approach them here in uh, in the West. China has, uh, Chinese people have a very long historical memory, and they use the expression, may you live for 10,000 years, which is a great compliment to you. But on the other hand, saying you will stink for 10,000 years is not exactly a compliment, but it shows (laughs) the degree of animosity to the regime. Absolutely. Um, I want to stick with uh, with headlines um, related to China. Let me just highlight this one, David, and then we'll take a brief break and come back and talk about it. Um, I read this morning that 15 nations uh, headlined by China have formed the world's largest trading block. It covers nearly a third of the global economy. And notably excluded is the United States of America. So uh, David Aikman and I are going to talk about the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, RECEP, uh, in just a moment, and other news uh, from around the world. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with David Aikman, editor of Godspeed Magazine. Uh, for the first time in living memory, the hegemon of or the center of a global free trade agreement uh, is not the United States of America. It is China. Um, talk about this development, David, because this seems really significant to me. Well, it is significant because China is basically responding to the barbs that it's received in its economic uh, performance from the United States by starting this regional Asian economic partnership to exclude the United States because it hopes that this new organization will form the core of a China-based economic union that will be the equivalent of the European Union in economic terms. And they really want to show how hostile they are to the United States' objections to their acquiring not just superpower status, but monopoly status in the world by the year 2049. So it's a very serious indication of how how gravely China views uh, America's opposition to it, assuming these preeminent roles of leadership in the world. And just so that uh, folks here in the United States are aware, um, Axios is reporting that senior administration officials are telling them to expect President Trump to enact a series of hardline policies during his final 10 weeks to submit to cement his legacy on China, he's going to try to make it politically untenable for a Biden administration to change course 
as China is, as we have noted, acting very aggressively um, from India to Hong Kong to Taiwan. Um, and uh, and we've got uh, then this economic development today as well. So we are we will keep an eye on China. Um, David, let's um, let's pivot to a conversation about Jonathan Sachs. I mentioned to our audience um, his passing, but I did not talk much about him. And I figured that you would have uh, some some thoughts to share on the passing of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Well, he was a remarkable man because he was popular not just in the Jewish community, but in the extended Christian community in England. He represented Jewish components of Judeo-Christian values, which accepts that human beings are flawed creations, that we have a responsibility to our maker to behave with moral responsibility, and he essentially advanced all of the Judeo-Christian values in everything he discussed. He was greatly admired in the British evangelical community as a man who embodied the moral core of Judaic values in a way that enhanced the Christian position in society as well as the Jewish. So it's going to be a very great loss. Um, And then pivoting our attention now to to Ethiopia, um, wow, we've got something unfolding there that I I think that many people are going to be not only uh, horrified to hear, but needs to be a matter of prayer for us all. What's happening in Ethiopia? Well, you've got a province in Ethiopia, Ethiopia, Tigray, which has been bombed by the federal government forces and has apparently also been attacked by forces from Eritrea. And the combination of forces from outside and federal government assault in the area has resulted in a horrendous murder, massacres of people in the street, bodies pulled, into the street by rickshaws and left there. It's just an awful situation. And, of course, it's led to massive starvation amongst the fleeing civilians. So without an international global response, the citizens of Tigray are going to be in very difficult circumstances in the next several months. Uh, the the testimony of one 48 year old farmer from uh, from the area, you know, describing what uh, what he witnessed, and then you know, once he arrives um, uh, in in a place where he feels you know st- safe, you know, he ha- he literally has nothing, and he's been on the run for two days. Um, not not many people would even have the physical ability at this point, um, you know, after seven years of drought and. Uh, three uh, three locust swarms uh, in the last um, uh, in the last twelve months. I just what's happening around the world um, outside of our view because we are so obsessed with what's happening here in our own country and with the coronavirus. Um, I just I have a um, a deepening concern that we are failing to pay attention to the least of these around the world. And um, 
and hunger is just a part of that. And um, it, it just, I, I find myself speechless sometimes because there is, there is this great blessing that comes from living in places of, uh, of peace. And you and I li- both live in a place of peace, but that is a peace that is that only exists because we mutually agree as a moral people to govern ourselves in these ways. And I want people to remember that, that, you know, the reason that the people of Ethiopia are suffering as they are suffering is because they are a failed state. Yes, that's true. And the reason many people are actually praying for a continuation of the Trump presidency is that they believe he spoke out forcefully on behalf of persecuted communities of faith all over the world. So they are looking forward to the final completion of the cutting of votes in the current general election in the United States. All right, and then I just want to read this Bel- uh, this, this headline out of Belarus. Um, despite months of mass protest... President um, Lukashenko has been able to cling to power through a combination of harsh police tactics, hollow promises of reform, and the insidious domestic security agency that continues to use its old Soviet name, the KGB. Um, Anything on Belarus you want us to be aware of today? Well, only that you've got a dictator who has been in power for 26 years. He is supported at least morally and in propaganda terms, by Putin of Russia. And he has no intention of giving up his power any earlier than he basically is willing to do it. But I think that actually he's going to fall eventually, and it will be as a result of both domestic and international pressure, because people are really fed up with the... the uh, restrictions and, and repression that is imposed on his entire population. As always, David, uh, you uh, you help us survey what is happening around the world, and uh, we, we genuinely appreciate it. That is David Aikman, editor of Godspeed magazine. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Tom, and we'll, I enjoyed the program. Just lovely. We'll be right back. All right, so if you're listening to this live, then it is the start of the day. And as you look ahead at this day that the Lord has made, and you acknowledge that God is giving it to you as an opportunity in which to bear public positive witness to who He is and what He has done in your life through your redemption in Jesus Christ, like, right, there's there's a view of the day which lies ahead. If you're listening to this via uh, the podcast, um, it might be the middle of the day, it might be evening, it might even be the day after the day, um, in which case you're going to look back at the question I'm about to ask. What's the hardest thing you'll do today? Or if you're listening to this in retrospect, what's the hardest thing you did yesterday? Um, the answer the answer to that question, if you ask little kids that question, um, most of them will give you a physical answer. Because the the hardest thing that they think they're going to have to do is, you know, carry... Uh, carry a heavy backpack or um, or take out the trash like they genuine they, they tend to give physical answers to the question what's the hardest thing you'll do today 
when you ask the same question of adults, of, uh, of what I will just describe, you know, the middle of life, most of us, we answer the question with something interpersonal. The hardest thing we expect to do today is have a conversation that we've been putting off or see someone with whom we have a broken relationship. The hardest thing we think we're going to have to do today involves uh, our relationships with other people. I want you to think about that for a moment. And I want you to consider that then when we get to the latest stages of life, the answer reverts back to um, physical. What's the hardest thing you think you're going to have to do today? For many people, it is uh, simply getting up out of the chair and caring for themselves as opposed to having to depend on someone else to care for them. Accepting the help of others becomes the ultimate hardest thing uh, that older adults have to do today. So just think about that uh, and consider being a person of mercy in the midst of all of it. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.